Davis Financial Advisors is a branch office of and securities offered through Independent Financial Group, member FINRA and SIPC. Sean Davis is a registered representative of Independent Financial Group. The interpretation and organization of these ideas are the confidential thoughts of Sean Davis and do not necessarily represent the opinions of IFG Incorporated. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value or liquidity, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment strategy will be profitable. And now, Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors, independent investment services for pursuing your investment goals. Here's your host, Sean Davis. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors, and I happen to be your humble host. My name is Sean Davis. I'm going to be your guide for the next couple of hours as we discuss your money, your investments as it relates to all this volatility we've seen in the last few weeks. China, China, China. We're going to talk about China today and why, what is going on in China, why does it matter so much to the markets and thus to your money? Is the worst behind us now? Is it going to get worse? Should I be concerned? What should I do to protect myself if it does get worse? These are all important questions, and I'm going to try and shed some light on what is going on with China and the rest of the world and why it matters absolutely to your money. So I will tell you that um, I've gone through a mix of emotions thinking about this show and preparing for it. You may not know this, but I do all the research and preparation for this show, predominantly by myself. Um, I'm not some talking head that can occasionally sound good on the radio using someone else's talking points. I'm my own person, I do my own research, and I write the content for this program. In addition, I have a full-time financial services business with clients that I see every day. So needless to say, I've been pretty busy, but if I'm candid, part of me knew that this was coming. I knew that the markets were jittery with regard to China, and I thought that it would get worse before it got any better, and it's not hard to see the potential for these types of events when you pay attention and do the amount of research that you have to do to stay on top of things. This is part of the reason why I've aired a show recently called The Case for a Second Opinion and also Investing with Annette. I felt that things were going to get a little sketchy, and I wanted you, yes you, to be informed, prepared at the very least, not ignorant to what has been going on. So when the markets finally did begin to turn, part of me thought, I was right. I'll be candid. I'm not always right. I'm human. Uh, there is an imperfect science to investing. There's so much out there that can change at any moment and affect the outcome of certain decisions you make. So I can be wrong as much as I'm right. However, when you are right, it does feel good. Was there a part of me that wanted to jump on the radio and say, see, I told you so? Uh, yes, but it was a very little piece. I'm not a boastful or gloating person, so I would not naturally be inclined to say I told you so. However, there is a part of me that wanted to shout from the rooftops, this isn't over yet. I got into this business to try to help people make better, more informed decisions in the hopes that it might make a difference and their lives. Isn't that kind of why we're all on this planet? I mean, if we don't make a difference in the lives of other people on the planet, I, I think it's a life wasted. So the biggest emotions that I felt during the last few weeks was concern and worry 
for the people that don't recognize that what is going on in China is absolutely significant to their money. China matters to your money. Now, also being candid and transparent, I've been a little surprised at how many people are still investing like they have been for the last six years. In other words, I was sounding the alarm bells to a lot of deaf ears. Maybe you're one of those people right now. Maybe you've heard my show before and also heard my calls for caution and the prudence of getting a second opinion, but haven't done anything about it yet. Let me just say that now is the time to get a second opinion. Commodity prices are falling. The world is slowing. The EU put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole with Greece, and China could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Anything that can move the market almost 2,000 points is significant to you and your money. And you should be asking a lot of questions about how you and your money will be affected to the people that help you manage your money. I'm going to do the heavy lifting for you on that one. I have a list of questions that every single person listening to my show right now, yes, I mean you, yes, you, every single person that has money in the stock market, every single person that has a retirement account, 401k or IRA, should be asking of themselves or the people that are helping them manage their money. Let me say this as slowly and clearly as possible. You should absolutely be asking questions about your current investment strategy, given the volatility that we've seen in the markets in the last four to six weeks. China matters to you and your money. So here's the plan for today. I'm going to be discussing what has happened in the markets over the last few weeks. I'm also going to be discussing what's going on with China and the rest of the world today and why it matters to you and your money. I'm going to also shed some light on some interesting factoids on human behavior as it relates to investing and why you may not be acting rationally or logically in your investment decisions. And lastly, I'm going to close out the show today with a step-by-step outline of what you can do to prepare if China and the rest of the world cause more tumult in the markets. Think of it as a prudent investor's defensive strategy to address the risk that China could continue to drag on the markets for a while. Now, I'm going to give you a sample of some of the latest headlines coming out of the financial markets in the last week or two. Rising anxiety that stocks are overpriced. This was Robert Schiller, New York Times. A retest of the lows seems likely. Eric Bush. Why the markets rebound won't last. Anthony, I'm not even going to attempt that last name. He's from Fiscal Times. Thank the robots for Wall, Street, Wall Street's wild ride. Investors have been making a mad dash to cash. Is classic bear bounce a time to sell? Lack of fear means this correction isn't over. Stock's worst month since 2012. Fed up investors yank cash from almost everything, just like in 2008. Peter Schiff, the pipe dream is ending. The stock market hasn't had a sell-off like this in over 75 years. And then Robert Gunlock. Stocks will fall further. I mean, this is just a simple sampling of some of the headlines out there. So obviously, I'm not the only one talking about this. And I offer you a glimpse into what others are saying so that you understand that almost everyone thinks that these market movements mean something. It is not business as usual by any means. I mean, this should be a two-by-four smacking you across the head a bit going, hey, Do you understand that the Dow just posted its worst loss in August in almost 20 years? Do you realize that there's more net outflows coming out of the market than inflows going in for two months straight? We haven't seen that for multiple years. 
And anytime there's a correction, that's always a sign that things are changing. So we want you to be educated. I've got two things I'm going to give out to those that call this number, 800-682-2806. I've got my latest investor's guide. It's called The China Syndrome. What is going on in China and why it matters immensely to your money? And I've got a call to action, the case for a second opinion on your investment planning, five reasons why now is the time. Both of these are yours if you phone us at 800-682-2806. It's toll-free. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. Once we get these answers uh, to the questions, we'll send this information out to you today via email or regular mail, whichever you prefer. So when I come back, I'm going to give you a little interesting factoid about um, net outflows out of the market, and then we're going to jump right into what's going on in China. My name's Sean Davis. Don't go anywhere. Uncommon Investments. We all know somebody who's had the cancer scare or even had to deal with the disease. Heart issues, significant health matters. Once diagnosed, many, if not most, immediately got a second opinion on what they were told in the treatment options. It's a very serious matter, your health. And next in line is your financial health. So many people never consider a second opinion on their financial health for no good reason. Why put that off? Why not get another look, another way to accomplish the objectives? You still have the ability to choose to stay the course or to make a change. At least you know there are options. Now is the time to take that action to get a second opinion. In medical terms, one might say the stock market is acting unpredictably. It needs a checkup. Is it well, healthy? There's a case to be made that it is not. Don't find yourself caught in an unhealthy financial situation. Get a second opinion by calling Davis Financial Advisors at 1-800-682-2806 or visit them online at davisfinancialadvisors.com. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio talking about your money, talking about China, China. China and its effect on your money. What happens in China matters to your money, obviously. And so we've been talking about the ins and outs of um, what's going on. And I, well, actually, we will be talking about it right now. Uh, but it, before I do that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to get some uh, printed materials that I've written. The first one I want to give you is a new white paper called An Investor's Guide, The China Syndrome. A little play on a movie about three, four decades ago. What's going on in China? So you know, a lot of people don't know what's really going on. I've got some great graphs in here. I want you to know what is going on and why. What's going on in China and why it matters immensely to your money. Uh, our belief, our concern is that uh, this isn't over. And uh, we want you to understand how jeopardized China is right now and, and what is going on. So I'll give you that. That's about 35 pages. And then I've got a call to action. Um, and I hope you're listening to this. I, I hope you heed my siren sounds here, my, my warning sounds, to at least get a second opinion. It's called The Case for a Second Opinion on Your Investment Planning, Five Reasons Why Now is the Time. Both are yours, but only if you call us at 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions, then we'll send this information out to you today. Um, it's important to know what's going on. It's important to be educated. So 800-682-2806. All right, so I, I said before, China matters. I'm going to say that throughout the whole show. Um, here's an interesting article I was done upon when I was doing research for the show. That's from Bloomberg. And it's, um, you know, here's another sign that uh, it's not business as usual. But retail investors, mom and pops, just like you and me, pulled out billions a couple of weeks ago in the wild week from the markets. July and August were the first back-to-back -back months where retail investors pulled more 
aggregately out of the markets than was what put in since 2008. Anybody remember what happened back in 2008? Um, no, Sean, I don't recall. Well, you, you may be reminded. Um, this matters to you and your money. If we have more people selling than buying, then obviously the prices of what you own are going to go down, even if you aren't the one that wants to sell. So mom and pops are running for the hills. Since July, American households, which account for almost half of all, excuse me, which account for almost all mutual fund investors, have pulled money from both mutual funds that invest in stocks and those that invest in bonds. It's the first time since 2008 that both asset classes have recorded back-to-back monthly withdrawals. This is according to a report by Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse estimates that $6.5 billion left equity funds in July and $8.4 billion was pulled from bond funds, um, citing weekly data from the Investment Company Institute. Any, this is a quote. Anytime you see something that hasn't happened since the last quarter of 2008, it's worth noting, supporting said, support us said in the phone interview. So this is a person that actually did the study. It may be that this is an interesting oddity, but if we continue to see this, it could reflect a more broad-based nervousness on part of household investors. Withdrawals from equity funds are usually accompanied by an influx of money to bonds, and an exit from both at the same time suggests investors aren't willing to take on risk in any form. While retail investor sentiment isn't the best predictor of market moves, their reluctance could have significance, supporter said. Uh, it might suggest households are getting nervous about holding investments, and that could lead to some real economic implications, including cutting back on spending. Should the market turn lower again, it will be interesting to see if we have the traditional move back into bonds or if households move to cash. Remember, this is significant to you and your money. So this is the first time that's happened since 2008. So it is not business as usual in the market. So let's get on to what's going on in China. So I know you have questions, and a lot of people don't really understand why this matters. But I found an interesting article in the Washington Post that pretty succinctly puts the woes of China into an easy and understand format. The interview was between uh, Brad Plummer of the Washington Post and Patrick Chovanek a longtime China watcher who is currently chief strategist at Silvercrest Asset Management and was formerly an associate professor at Tsinghu University School of Economics and Management in Beijing. So I'm, I'm going to shed some light on this through this dialogue back and forth between Brad and, um, and um, Patrick. So let's assume I know nothing whatsoever about China. What would you or how would you explain why the country is suddenly facing all these economic problems and making headlines? Seems like China was booming. And so here's the answer. If you want to understand where China is right now, you have to go back and look at China's growth model for the last 30 years, which has been a classic export-led growth model. That doesn't mean all of China's growth came from exports, but the country has been using external demand to ramp up industrial investment in a way that could not be sustained if it was relying purely on its own domestic market. This is the same approach that Japan... South Korea and countries in Southeast Asia have all used. They turned their poverty into a competitive advantage using cheap labor to sell to markets abroad that did have demand. That allowed them to suppress domestic consumption and channel as many resources as possible into investment. Normally, that creates an imbalanced economy, but they could make up the difference by selling abroad. Then why isn't export-led growth working for China anymore? It's a good question. The problem is that this model works well for a developing economy, but when you become the second largest economy in the world, as China has, 
It's very difficult for the rest of the world to absorb these imbalances. If China wants to produce more than it consumes, someone else has to consume more than they produce. And after the financial crisis of 2008, there were signs that those other countries could not afford to go deeper into debt to consume that much. So you started to see a significant fall off in Chinese exports beginning back in 2008. Wait, if China's export model was already faltering back in 2008, how did the country manage to keep growing so strongly over the last five years, six years? China responded to this fall-off in exports by engineering a monetary stimulus. That translated into a lending boom, which translated into an investment boom. So as Chinese net exports came down from 8% of GDP to 2% of GDP, investment in China rose from 43% to almost 50%. So China went on an investment boom. What does that really mean? People started building houses and factories? Well, right. China had lost external demand. In other words, their net exports fell, so less, less people buying what China was producing. So they lost external demand. So the country doubled down on investment. China had essentially been keeping GDP growth high by creating new infrastructure, housing, factories. The problem is that in order for all this to be real, there has to be an end user. In the past, demand from overseas could make up the difference, but that's not going to materialize anymore. So the demand has to be domestic. So Sean, or anybody else, let's see if I have this right. Eventually, someone has to start buying the stuff China produces. It can't just keep building factories forever with no customers. But if demand isn't going to come from the United States or Europe or other countries, it has to come from within China. So how does that happen? Well, there's a widespread recognition that this shift is needed. But under the old growth model, selling to everybody else in the world, making it cheap, cheap labor, cheap factories, selling to everybody else in the world, the entire economy has been geared towards diverting resources away from the household sector and toward investment. That includes tax policies. It includes exchange rate policy, keeping the renminbi weak. It, so China needs to change these policies. The problem is that if you do this, you knock the legs out of the investment boom that's driving growth or has been driving growth now. And a Chinese economy driven by internal consumption would look very different from today's economy. Different winners and losers. So the companies that are succeeding today don't want to see that model change. The companies in China that are succeeding today don't want to see that change. So let's break this down in more detail. What has China been investing in exactly? And what are the signs that the country has invested too much, as one recent IMF study has suggested? Well, housing has made up about a quarter of investment, residential and commercial structures. Commercial real estate has outstripped demand to a serious degree. There's also business investment, expansion of factories, etc. So we see massive overcapacity in certain industries. One of the largest shipyards in China declared bankruptcy. Another shipyard run by a Chinese company is asking the government for a bailout. In the solar sector in China, we've seen two big bankruptcies of some of the largest manufacturers in the world. There are similar pressures in steel and aluminum. So here's another. Are there good examples of other financial mistakes that have been created through this investment boom? Uh, there's obvious examples. I mean, a lot of people know things like the Olympic-sized stadium built in a fourth-tier city without a team. 
A lot of the high-speed rail lines China built won't make economic sense, although some will. There are also a lot of airports that receive a flight or two per day, but a lot of other investment isn't always obvious on the face. I've seen web video of ports where you take the tour, see the presentation, and think, okay, this makes sense. It's a port. It's awesome. It will help unlock growth in that region. But then you look an hour down the road, and there's another port with exactly the same business model. And it turns out that there are five ports in the same province. Back before 2008, these projects would have been vetted, and maybe only one, one would have been approved. But during the investment boom, all five were approved, and they cannibalize each other. This is a big problem, and there are more problems. I haven't even gotten into the currency devaluation or the stock market plunge yet, and I'm going to get into that when I come back from the break. But China matters. It matters to you and your money, and I don't know that we've seen the worst of it yet. And I want you to understand what's going on. Um, I want you to be educated. I'd like to send you a couple pieces of uh, information, a white paper and an investor's guide. Uh, first one is Davis Financial Advisors Investor's Guide, The China Syndrome, What is Going On in China, and Why It Matters Immensely to Your Money. So I'll send that to you. That's 35 pages. you got to call us at 800-682-2806. I'm also going to give you a call to action. It's the case for a second opinion on your investment planning. Five reasons why now is the time. You want to sit down with somebody and get a second opinion. Now's the time. I'll send that one to you as well. That's over 60 pages of information, yours, if you phone us at 800-682-2806. Now, when I come back from the break, I'm going to talk about what happened in the markets, the currency devaluation, and whether or not we think China's going to get worse or not. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. Have you ever dragged your feet on something and wished that you had taken action? Maybe a car you didn't buy, a house you didn't make an offer on, an investment that you didn't follow through with? Is this the case with your portfolio today? Have you been thinking about a second opinion, but it just hasn't been the right time? Now is the time. Don't procrastinate. The market has become twitchy. It's bouncing. Are you in the right position to continue to grow or at very least withstand the market adjustment? Has your broker suggested you sell while the market hovers at all-time highs? If not, do you have a plan when to sell? Is there a strategy, a trigger point that protects your assets? If not selling now at the very top, then when? The case for a second opinion has never been stronger. Don't repeat regret with, I should have. Now is the time to act on your good instinct and knowledge. Get a second opinion on your retirement position by calling Davis Financial Advisors now. 1-800-682-2806. 1-800-682-2806. Or visit them online at davisfinancialadvisors.com. What you hear is what you get. Here's Sean Davis. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio. Talking about your money. Talking about China. 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 What's going on in China? Why it matters to your money. It does. It matters. And there's a lot going on that should, um, should make you a lot more open and receptive to getting a second opinion. The world has changed. We have a market correction that we've seen. We had the worst August in almost 20 years. And by the way, when August has a bad month, usually September follows. Um, so I'd like you to be educated. I've got a couple of different things I'd like to give you. I've got an investor's guide called the China Syndrome. I'll play off a movie three, four decades ago. What's going on in China? I want you to understand. I've got some great graphs in here. It's very simple, easy to understand, but you can... You know, know what's going on with China. You want to be the smartest person in a, in a room, grab this graph, and then uh, go to a party and talk about what's going on in China. 
<laughs> and why it matters immensely to your money. So that's 35 pages. I'll give you that if you phone us at 800-682-2806. I'm also going to give you a case for a second opinion on your investment planning. It's a call to action. Five reasons why now, now's the time to get a second opinion. Uh, both are yours. We'll email them, email them to you today if you phone us at 800-682-2806. Again, toll-free, 800-682-2806. So to recap, um, China had an export-led economy up until 2008 that was booming. In other words, they sold more, sent out more, manufactured more than they ever brought in. So that export-led economy drove growth, um, GDP growth to them. And so in 2008, um, a lot of countries didn't have the ability to buy as much. A lot of people kind of went on a spending hiatus, which negatively affected China. So what China did was they started a building boom, manufacturing factories, infrastructure, streets, cities, airports, that kind of thing. The problem is that you can't just keep building that. I think they were trying to buy time. They built, 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 and now they got nobody consuming it. So the next question is, so why do banks and other lenders keep pouring money into these kind of projects? It sounds like lenders don't care if they invest in projects that don't pan out. I mean, this is a reasonable question. By the way, uh, this is an article that came out of the Washington Post. Um, it was an interview between Brad Plummer of the Washington Post and Patrick Chovanek, a longtime China watcher who is cur currently chief strategist at Silvercrest Asset Management and was formerly an associate professor at Tsinghu University School of Economics and Management in Beijing. So he understands uh, what's going on in China. So here's the question that Brad tendered to Patrick. So why do banks and other lenders keep pouring money into these projects? It sounds like lenders don't care if they invest in projects that don't pan out. Uh, well, here's one concrete example. The way many investment take place and are rolled out is through private loan management vehicles, which will often promise 12% returns or higher on assets. So when people go to the bank to buy these products, when Chinese people go to the bank to buy these products, they think, hey, this can't fail. The implication is that the state-run bank or government will stand behind these instruments. This belief is widespread. That leads to an incredibly distorted investment work market where no one's looking carefully at the risk. Too much investment is based on the perception that the government is the guarantor of everything. That's Patrick's response. And by the way, I think a lot of this is going on right now in, the, in this country. You know, a lot of people think that the government won't let anything fail. Well, there's a point at which maybe the government can't help the failure. So here's another question from uh, Brad to Patrick. So this explains why China's banking system is now facing problems. Right. In a healthy banking system, the bank will lend money out to you and you eventually pay the bank. Back, the principal, plus interest. The bank gets that capital back and lends it out to the next person. But now let's look at an economy that's mainly driven by investment, where that's half of GDP growth. Every year, the inv investment budget has to get bigger and bigger. China has to build more roads, bridges, and highways, and so on this year than it did the last year in order for investment to contribute to GDP growth. So now I'm a bank, and I have to finance that. If the investments I'm making aren't generating a return, if they're not being utilized, then I'm not getting paid back. That means the only way I can make new loans is through credit expansion. So credit keeps growing in the banking system, but so does the burden of bad debt. It's funny money. That's not what he said. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't sound good, but can't China keep stimulating its economy to stay afloat? 
What people don't realize is that since October of last year, China has had a huge burst of stimulus, a massive expansion in lending. In the fourth quarter of 2012, credit expanded by all around $600 billion. In the first quarter of this year, in the first quarter of this year, is about $1 trillion. About half of that lending is coming through shadow investment vehicles, which promise high returns and where it's not clear who bears the risk. The top securities regulator in China wrote an op-ed when he was the head of the Bank of China likening these vehicles to Ponzi schemes. They're now paying out from money coming in rather than from the return on their assets. It's a dangerous type of financing. And the important thing to realize is that for all this credit expansion, the returns are rapidly declining. So the old model of trying to pump in money and boost investment is not working anymore. It's not going to things that create growth. So here's the last question. If everyone knows that this massive credit expansion isn't working, can't the Chinese government figure out some way to rein in lending? Well, the Chinese premier, Li Keqiang, I don't know if I said that right, has said that he we can't keep stimulating the economy this way. It's not going to produce results. We need to rein in credit to try to adjust toward more balanced growth. But when we tried to rein in shadow credit, we saw what happened with the credit crisis about a month ago. Trying to rein in the rate of credit expansion leaves banks exposed. The banks have become addicted to these rates of credit expansion, not just to finance a continued investment boom, but to paper over their losses. So it's a delicate line they're trying to walk. So here's another question. So now, how does China shift its economy to find a more sustainable way to grow? Well, it could take a bunch of different forms. You could have consumption rising from 6% growth to 13% growth, which would allow GDP to keep its recent pace of around 9 to 10% a year. Or you could have a collapse in investment, but consumption could remain resilient, which means China's GDP growth would fall to 3 to 4% per year. There are all sorts of different ways it could go, but my concern is that the longer China puts off a correction, and it's put off for years, the harsher it will be. I mean, it, it, Sean Davis here speaking— Here's what I think. I think we haven't seen the worst of it yet. Um, there's more in my white paper that I'm, uh, I'm going to give you. A lot of graphs in there that I think help tell the story a little bit better than maybe I'm doing on a radio show doing a monologue. But, I, you know, if you're worried about your money, which I think you should be concerned, I think you should be biasing towards getting a second opinion, here's a couple things I'd like to give you. Um, I've got an investor's guide, the China Syndrome, what is going on in China and why it matters immensely to your money. I'm going to give you that if you call us at 800-682-2806. I'm also going to give you a call to action. It's a Davis Financial Advisors call to action. I wrote this. Sean Davis sounding the, uh, the alarm that a call to action may be needed. The case for a second opinion on your investment planning. Five reasons why now is the time. I'll give you both if you call us at 800-682-2806. Again, toll free, 800-682-2806. Two eight zero six. All right, coming up next in a little over four and a half minutes, I'm going to talk about whether or not I think China is going to get worse before it gets better. Don't miss this. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. Are you comfortable with your portfolio positions? Do you like what you're seeing with the stock market volatility? Do you know what the global impact of Greece or China or the Japanese markets mean to you and your money? Your retirement income? The answers to those questions are probably no. If you're like many of us, you just don't know what it all means. It, it means something. It's a heads up that means something is going on that could impact us all. World markets are correlated. What happens in one part of the world can greatly impact everyone. 
It's happening at a faster pace than ever before, and that's why it's so important you get input on your financial future from more than one source. The case for a second opinion has never been stronger. There are ways to protect yourself from what happens on the other side of the planet. Call Davis Financial Advisors now, 1-800-682-2806. They'll give you an unbiased look at your position. 1-800-682-2806. Online at davisfinancialadvisors.com. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, talking about China. China, China. Oh, my gosh, China. What is it doing to the markets? Well, I'm telling you, uh, we're having a discussion about it for the last hour and a half. Um, By the way, if you've missed any part of it, you can uh, get a copy and or download the podcast by going to our website, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. And you can also call 800-682-2806. I've got a couple things I'll give you to catch you up to speed if you've missed the discussion. China matters to you and your money, if you haven't noticed. So I've got an investor's guide, The China Syndrome, What is Going On in China and Why It Matters Immensely to Your Money. Uh, about 35 pages, heavy in my hand, actually. I've also got another one, A Call to Action, The Case for a Second Opinion on Your Investment Planning. Five Reasons Why Now is the Time. Um, we think it's prudent to get a second opinion. We think... Anytime the market falls and has the worst August in 20 years, anytime we enter correction territory, anytime the market jumps around hundreds and hundreds of points a day, that might be a good reason to consider getting an update check on your strategies, uh, financial strategies, that is. And so if you'd like to take advantage of that, 800-682-2806. All right, so we come to the point to show, what do you do? Sean, I'm worried. What do I do? Well... Obviously, uh, the first and most obvious move is to reduce your exposure to the market, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't have money in the market. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say that depending on your age and depending on how you can weather a storm, if you can't weather 10, 20, 30% down, like if your portfolio can't sustain that, then you need to be doing something else because um, that that is what could be happening. I mean, that we saw that back in 2008. We saw it in 2000. Um, I don't know if this is the beginning of something bigger. Um, I do think China is going to continue to drag. I think their problems aren't over yet, um, and I think there could be worse to come. So one of the first things you can do is reduce your exposure to market. Consider taking some money off the table. And if you have a strong uh, positive correlation amongst your equity investments, in other words, if most of your portfolio has been affected by what's driving this market right now, then consider reducing your exposure. I mean, you can't get in a car accident if your car is sitting in the driveway or the garage. Right, So sometimes pushing pause or taking some money off the table is one of the most efficient things you can do. Sometimes not losing money is your best option. You know, you may not be able to make a lot of money, but not losing money is your best option. Here's another strategy for you. If you want to take some money off the table, sell your investments in your qualified retirement accounts first before your after-tax accounts. You don't have to be concerned about tax sensitivity there. You can sell whatever you're going to want to sell and sell it there. Maybe take some money off the table without being worried about whether or not you're going to get huge with uh, hit with a huge tax bill. You know, And we do think it's prudent. We do think that right now the markets are entering a period of time where China is going to continue to drag because their problems aren't temporary. So don't think that this doesn't have the potential to be something that's a news story for the next couple of years. Who knows? Um if you've got an older 401k, consider rolling it into a self-directed IRA. 
A self-directed IRA. What I mean by that, a self-directed IRA, (laughs) what I mean is an IRA where you could own a three-bedroom, two-bath rental property. Did you know you could own a three-bedroom, two-bath rental property in your IRA? Did you know that you could own real metal bullion in your IRA? Did you know you could own U.S. minted coins in your IRA? Did you know that you can own everything from raw land to self-storage facilities in your IRA? You have a lot of traditional options. You can do everything that banks do and insurance companies and the stock market and all that stuff. But you also have a whole bunch of other options. You know, So that's my definition of a self-directed IRA. Um, you just can't own art, collectible stamps, uh, your primary residence, a vacation home, um, those kind of things. But pretty much everything else is, is available. And my point to a self-directed IRA is that if you own a self-directed IRA, okay, and you have these other assets, let's say you have self-storage in there and you have um, uh, a rental property and you have market-based investments and bonds, I mean, I think that's more diversified than a strategy that's 100% dependent on the stock market continuing to go up. So having an IRA platform that allows you more investment options, I think would be strategic if the market's having a big freak out, which it's doing right now. Um, You might want to try to mimic the strategies of some bigger financial institutions. I've talked a lot about Yale and Yale's endowment performance. I mean, Yale has led the world of collegiate endowments, um, had an incredible run. Um, you know, longtime chief investment officer David Swinson pioneered a new strategy that found better returns in less traditional vehicles like hedge funds, private equity partnerships, real estate, etc. So um, get this. The Yale Endowment Fund has had a 20-year track record, rolling 20 years, going through June of last year, 13.9%. 20 years. 13.9%. Now, guess, guess how much of Yale's money is tied to and or linked to the domestic equities market, to the stock market. Would you guess 60%? No, that was back in 1985. Oh, so it's higher. You know, they got 70%? No, it's actually lower. It's the opposite. Guess how much? 20? Nope, lower. 10? Nope, lower. They've only got 6% of their market, excuse me, of their endowment fund in the stock market. So do you think Yale's freaking out right now about China? I mean, they're probably concerned. They're monitoring it. But with only 6% of their money in the markets, now they got foreign equity of 13 so if you look at that total, they got 19% that's in some sort of market. But the biggest allocations they have in real assets and private equity, you know, stuff that doesn't move with the market. I mean, that's kind of the essential, you know, our strategy at Davis Financial Advisors is very loosely based on an endowment model. In other words, recognizing that it's very difficult to get true diversification in the stock market alone. Why don't you add other things to the portfolio to help mitigate that risk of a market movement taking you out, Right. And so that's why we deal with alternative investments. By definition, alternative investment is an investment that's completely outside the market. That's both its advantage and its disadvantage. And we do not think that these things are perfect. They're flawed. It's investing. It's putting money at risk. You can lose value. Dividends aren't guaranteed. They've got investment liquidity risk. You've got management risk. There's all kinds of things. But here's my point. An alternative investment, you know, if you own an interest in a self-storage facility down the street— I don't believe that self-storage facility is affected by news of China as much as the market is. And if that makes sense to you, and if the idea of having a whole bunch of investments like that makes sense to you, then maybe, maybe my firm, Davis Financial Advisors, me, Sean Davis, and my team, maybe 
it'd be a good idea to talk with somebody like us to get a different opinion, a different perspective. I've been doing this for 11 years. I don't think what we're doing is perfect. I just think it happens to be more strategic and safer than a lot of things I've seen other people doing. And if that makes sense to you, call us, 800-682-2806. It's a toll-free number, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. We'll send you the two, the investor's guide and the call to action that I promised. And most importantly, we'll offer you an opportunity to sit down with us one-on-one. It's your money. You're paying for the lessons. Different types of investing involve varying degrees of risk, including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value, or liquidity. There can be no assurance that any investment strategy will be profitable. The show is now over, but this is the critical question that only you can answer. Was it informative and helpful? Sean and his team feel that financial advisors should bring you knowledge, information, and resources that you cannot easily come by on your own. Otherwise, what is the point of a financial advisor? If you can do what they do, you probably don't need one. There are two ways to make the information you heard here today more valuable to you. First, call or go online to receive the white paper Sean offered. Having a tangible copy of the information will allow you to take notes and review. Second, take the advantage of the opportunity to sit down with an advisor one-on-one. Retirement planning is complex and individual. It requires the knowledge of professionals. If you requested information, Kaylee or Stephanie will call you personally to schedule your no-obligation private meeting with Sean or one of his advisors. Call 800-682-2806. That's 800-682-2806. Online at davisfinancialadvisors.com.